Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. We're going to do cold open? Oh, we can open whenever we want to. So in other words, you're running. I want yeah. a warm open. It's been running. All right. But uh, what's been running? God, me talking about hey, eating this the frit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Both boats. No, I'm not gonna say it. Never mind. Don't. Nope. Not talking about it. Yeah, don't jinx it. That's like when Briar. I'm not talking about it. What are we, you not talking yeah. about? The thought. No. You're just so not talk it's about it's it the right thing there. where like we were going on a a boat ride with a bunch of buddies that had mud boats one time, and Briar was like. There's so many mud boats here that something has to go wrong, and then somebody's boat caught on fire. And I was like, and, and you jinxed it, Briar. Matt's boat was squirting oil out of them. Yeah. Of it. yeah it was. So you just hey, don't everybody, say stuff. Everybody made it back to the boat ramp under their own power. Yeah. It happened. Oh, but that was a long drive to get here, though. Brutal. God, Roman, I feel like yours had to be brutal. You left. I left at uh, 1045 last night. And uh, Man. took a nice little snooze beforehand. Got on the road. Nobody on the road. Cruised up. Got here at four. Hung out at the ferry. Because <laughs> yeah, that's where <laughs> they have this like Jeffrey Dahmer looking building, kind of hanging out <laughs> by the ferry. And then I'm sort of parked there. And I'm texting four guys who are sound asleep, saying, "Where the hell's the house?" Right. <laughs> and of course, I get nothing. Jim gives a thumb up to a text from the day before, four fifteen. <laughs> And so I sidebarred Jim, and I'm like, Jim, can you kind of tell me where I need to go? Crickets. <laughs> did you? I thought I texted you in that. You I did. Keep going like, down the road. At you like 4.30. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe that's when that, I saw it. Yeah. Anyway, it was good. I got, I got you a text about 4.30 this afternoon. Yeah, it was, it was fine. I cruised up and down the road, peeked in people's windows, and <laughs> shined my brights in people's driveways looking for y'all's cars, and it was fine. So, anyway, we're here. All right. So, we are, what is that? Is this Aurora, North Carolina? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We are in Aurora, North Carolina with Hattie's Game Calls. That's right. And, uh, well, who we got here tonight? We got me, Jordan Krebs. I'm your host for tonight. We got Mr. Jim Hazley. Yes, sir. We got Josh Hattendorf with Hattie's Game Calls. That's me. The old Briar Moon. Yep. And then we have... Roman the Hammer Hammers. There you go. <laughs> Last episode, <laughs> sir. Last episode, I thought it was Congressman. Congressman. Briar. 
Oh yeah, oh, I forgot that is Congressman <laughs> Breyer. Soon, soon to be you, Matilla's uh, state representative. State representative. If yeah. we pull that off next election. <laughs> He's got too many teeth for that. Or Sorrento. Yeah, it might be Sorrento. Yeah. Oh, but uh, Aurora, North Carolina. We're here to hunt sea ducks. And uh, boy, did we see ducks today. We hunted That's all we've seen was sea ducks. <laughs> we, we did a lot of seeing ducks. Not Didn't, a whole lot of killing ducks. We did zero killing ducks. Our group went from being the Carolina Killing Crew to the Carolina Bird Watching Society. <laughs> we got back and Rowan's like, why is the Carolina Bird Watching Society texting me? <laughs> oh, man. But I, it was interesting, though, man. I really enjoyed it. I, I think I, def, I definitely want to come back. It's a whole different style of duck hunting. Yeah, well, when you come back, I'll have a boat ready. Yeah. <laughs> with I a mean, running motor? With a running motor. You yeah, said that the last time. You didn't come. You've never been here before. How can you say the last time? Yeah, the last time you were on the podcast and you mentioned come, us coming up here, and we talked about it. You were having a running boat. Well, you know, boats are just problems all the time. Yeah, yeah. So we ended up having to pull Briar's boat up here and Jim's boat because, like, Josh started having some boat problems, got them fixed, and then literally right before we were supposed to come, he uh, his boat. What bent, bent bent a couple rods? Yeah, bent two rods, and it's a force outboard. They don't even make parts for it anymore. So, you got to find all the parts on eBay, and you ain't finding rods for that boat. <laughs> so now I got to buy a new motor, which I don't have. So the hammer says he's going to help me out buying me a new motor. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> He'll litigate the deal for you. There you go. This bottle of bourbon that's right here looks like it could buy a boat motor. <laughs> yeah oh man so we pulled these boats up here hunted out of jim's boat this morning which uh i would just take a wild guess and say it is not made to sea duck hunt out of uh, no uh, it, it did a no. fine job it impressed me mm-hmm. i'll say that thank you it's a 18 foot it's g3 1860 so 18 foot by six foot beam giant john boat that also happens to be silver and blue it's a summertime run around boat and um you know it says right on it we're also supposed to haul no more than six passengers or 898 pounds <clears throat> we only had five passengers but i'm quite confident that we exceeded the 898 pounds by about 898 pounds <laughs> <laughs> with all the decoys and the dang pine stuff and then the pine mm. stuff was soaking wet by the time we got back so i wouldn't doubt that it was heavier than that yeah yeah ran out in 32 degree water two foot seas which two foot seas don't sound like a whole lot until your gunnels are only six inches over the water <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we hunted it oh we made it. that was a blast and then the way we had to set up decoys and everything that was whole thing i've never dealt with those long Josh just nice. by the way he sets out his long lines i feel like he's ready to go ahead and sink a body somewhere ammo cans full of bricks for anchors yeah well hey it works you know so if it works you don't have to pay for more anchors you just use acquired material yeah tactfully acquired yeah (laughs) oh but it was cool though and then uh your uh what's that thing called that just kept blessing us with random decoys the raft the raft raft, yeah. yeah 
Yeah, the zip ties let me down. It was the first time in my life I can say I was disappointed with zip ties. I don't think I, it was a zip tie. It was the screen. screen. I'm yeah. going to say it's a zip ties. It must have been a knockoff. Yeah. yeah. What's the zip tie <laughs> knockoff? Harbor Freight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you got to... Uh, oh, man, I don't know. That's I mean, a tough I think, one. I think when we were out there, we didn't... The first time, the raft was holding up decent, but then the wind just got worse and the waves got worse. You know, so... We just kept watching them go on by. The lone survivor, though, we had one left out of, what, 18 decoys on the raft at the end? <laughs> yeah. Day. Hey, if you're looking for all blacked-out Mallard decoys and you're in Pamlico Point in North Carolina, they're floating around out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. They may eventually make them out to the sea. Then they'll, yeah, I guess so. I did think it was a pretty cool setup. You know, all, all joking aside, you know, the, the idea you put a big old raft out there, you know, imitating – you know, sea ducks or like you see bluebills rafter up and then you just ran lines of ducks like you would see yeah in in windy seas coming off of the raft and and, and it did work it's just poor timing in our hut side i mean we, as soon as we showed up we had a an eider yeah God. buzz Hawk. us but none of us were ready and then when we finally decided we were going to move and of course just like always happens when you're picking up you just had to pick up yeah those common scoters yeah, buzzed us twice. <laughs> so it worked. It just we were not at our best. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm no professional sea duck hunter either. I've only done it. I mean, this is really my true first year. And then starting my first year, my motor doesn't work. So I only did a little bit of it last year, you know. So I'm still learning. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm hoping next year's better and you guys can come down and we can – you know, put you on some actual sea ducks, but the way those waves were today, it was getting a little sketchy. Yeah, it was. It, it wasn't even so much the height of the waves; it was just the period. Just yeah, that's bam, what was bam, bad. Bam, bam, yeah. I mean, but the boat did great. Honestly, that boat barely took on any water. It took the waves well. I think we weren't taking the waves well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I was a little bit scared there a couple times where, like, when you were leaning over to pick stuff up and the bow was hitting and, like, a little bit of water was coming over the bow as it would hit. Dude, I got soaked picking up those decoys. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, you know, awful, like, we should be worried the amount of water that came over the bow. But it was like, maybe we ought to rethink something. <laughs> I can't say I can't say that I sat in the back with Jim and about every 30 seconds his bilge pump switch, he would flip it on just to make sure he wasn't getting any water in his boat. I just didn't want to be sneaky. Um, <clears throat> but I've taken, um, a couple of years ago, my friend Jay Platt and I, he was in his boat, he was in his boat and I was in mine, but we got stuck with a hell of a storm coming down the St. Joe Bay. We were out on the golf end, so it was coming south and north and it was brutal I mean, big winds hail and trying to get back in took i took a i took a wave because i was heading into the wind i took a wave over the bow just misjudged the speed and when i say took a wave over the bow i mean the whole wave washing in all around under your feet wow and uh you know immediately just kind of turned sideways tried to run 45 degrees on the next one and, and hit the bilge pump and the boat was fine i mean i was scared yeah. to death for a little bit like ooh, <laughs> it's a long <laughs> swim in but uh yeah like when we were talking about coming up here and you're asking what the boat will handle i was like the boat's gonna handle it more than we're gonna want to yeah. and that was kind of the case today I was that a, was the case yeah it's got foam in it too you know just the way they build the boats these days but i um 
I didn't want to be out there in 32 degree water, you know, waiting <laughs> around in it. So, oh man, you know what? We had actually because it had been a while since I'd seen your boat, and we got here with Josh before, and we were eating dinner at this uh, the place that sold us the Dollar General gumbo. <laughs> That's what it was. I I think they did buy the actual like gumbo itself and like a pre-made bag from Dollar General. I think it was like Campbell's. Or something. Well, no, no. It was, was Campbell's it? Clover would Valley. Made a, Campbell's would have made a better. Yeah, Clover Valley. <laughs> Clover Valley gumbo. Valley gumbo. <laughs> oh, not even salt and pepper made it taste good. No. A lot no. of salt and pepper. Yeah. A lot of salt and pepper. I thought, I didn't know if y'all were going to stop. <laughs> He's like, they're going to they're gonna go to cardiac arrest for they. <laughs> he could watch your cholesterol go up as you were adding salt to Blood it. Blood pressure, I think. Salt. That's, they're both... Uh, they go together, yeah. um, but we were walk. We were up there, and he's like, "Well, how big is Jim's boat?" And I'm like, "Well, it's 18 foot." I, I was like, "I'm slightly worried about it." And Briar's like, "I'm worried about it too." We got to talking about it and everything. We we're hanging out at the house, and Jim pulls up. We all walk. We walk outside, and we're like, "Oh yeah, no, we're good." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it had just been way too long since we'd seen Jim's boat. At that point, we weren't worried about the waves. We were worried about the boat ramp that we put in at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like you know, it was, it was, well for my boat, I wasn't putting my boat in there. I'm like, as long as y'all can get the trailer out, let's dump it in there. That run ramp was pretty rough though. It was uh, Jim's trailer actually dragged the ground. Yeah, going over that one spot. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll have to find the other ramp to get out. Uh, this is the end of day one. I don't know if I said that yet. Yeah, but, yeah we're all a little tired. Yeah, a little it was, loopy. It was quite uh, exhausting. Josh even got to take a bath on the way in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, no matter what Sika tells you, it's not completely waterproof. I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I guess we should probably give a little summary that we, uh, Josh was on the podcast back in June. Yeah. And talking about the calls and then we you know, kindly invited us up here. So. It's all been on a sho- it's all been, I don't want to say haphazard, but it's on a shoestring. Like, hey, we're just going to go hunt ducks. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. We didn't, but then because of uh, Josh's boat problems, we really didn't have a chance to scout. But nonetheless, we we just made do with what we had. We went out. Um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a, well, the ride home was kind of tough. Yeah. But I didn't have a bad time. I mean, no, was, no man, I had fun. Yeah. That's the greatest thing about duck hunting, right? I mean, the dialogue was all pretty good. Yeah, you know, I mean, lots even, of fart jokes and yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even though we weren't, I wasn't able to scout. We were close enough to where we could see him. I mean, we definitely saw birds. You know, we just were off the mark, a couple hundred yards. You know, and sometimes that's how that's how it works because you got these migratory birds that come down. They're not going to fly the same way. Yeah. It's not like a local wood duck that you know is going to be in the same hole if you did because you're probably Jordan and you probably missed it last year, so it's oh. going to be there again this year. <laughs> Right to describe that, we're you're not in a hole at all. Yeah, you're out in the open bay. Sound out in the open bay. You're yeah. hundreds of yards from shore. Yeah, just throwing out a rafter in in relatively rough water. We're in what sixteen foot of water at our first stop. Yeah, it was about yeah. it was about sixteen. Yeah, we moved in and tried to get a little shallower to try to beat the waves, but that didn't really help much either. Yeah, no. just hoping that the birds on their flight pattern happen to pick out your set of decoys versus 
natural rafters that might already be out on the ocean. Yeah. I mean, when you're competing against real birds, it's pretty difficult to bring them in, you know. When we saw that set of scoters set down half a mile away. Yeah. Right then, I already knew. I was like, oh, man, we're going to be in follow the leader all morning. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's what happened. We could have, we probably could have pulled up anchor. I didn't think about this either. We could have pulled up anchor, maybe run them off, bust them up, and then run back to the decoys and hope yeah. they come settle in. But <laughs> yeah. I'm not even, I know you can't run them down to shoot them. I don't know if you're allowed to actually run them down by boat for any reason, though. Yeah, I mean, they naturally will jump. The good thing about here in North Carolina for these sea ducks, they dive so quick. So even if you wound one, you are legally allowed under power to go finish that crippled bird. That's your responsibility as a, you know, conservationist. So, I mean, I wish we would have had that opportunity because that would have been fun. But I will tell you, I've never been on a boat with a trolling motor that has GPS that locks you in. I've never been more impressed with technology in my life. I, I'm not, we were sitting here and when you were like, no man, this thing locks in place. No problem. I was, I was like, there's no freaking way that's possible. That boat did not move a foot left or right. No, No, even in the big waves. I mean, I couldn't, we were hitting waves. So like the way those waves were coming in, it was lifting the trolling motor up out of the water, damn near close. Yeah. And it still stayed in that same spot. I, man, I'm blown away. When you, uh, that's why I've got the, you see a lot of guys run double power poles, but it's an 18 foot boat. The motor's already in the back. I mean, there's just, you don't want to, I don't want to put too much weight back there. Plus yeah. it gets kind of gangly or unsightly. So I run the one power pole off the back, but then being able to spot lock on the front whenever we're fishing, even if you're in a situation where the wind wants to put you in a different position, the combination of the spot lock and the power pole, yeah, it just locks you up, man. It makes it, it's a really neat fishing fishing system. I was very impressed. I need that for sheep's head fishing because I hate running into pylons. Yeah. Yeah. It'd well, be nice pylons you're could... not even allowed to tie off to. I know, like in the state of Florida, you're not supposed to tie off to other, you're not supposed to tie off to pylons, sheep heads fish. It's against the law. Mm. <laughs> it is. I see it done all the time. I was about to say, <laughs> find yeah. a sheep's head fish that doesn't tie off to a pylon. Yeah. Oh, man, a lot, hundred bucks. <laughs> a lot of the pylons are just draped in old, you know, where people just cut away instead of, uh, instead of untying. Yeah. So maybe that's why it's unlawful. But Roman, I mean, was I, I assume this was probably your first seat outcome, right? This was my first time going out. Actually, first time I've ever been in the um, – where are we at? North Pamlico. 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 The uh, – what do they call the thing over here? The Pamlico Sound? Not the Pamlico Sound. The Outer Banks. Outer Banks. Or anyway, uh-huh. we're in the Inner Banks. We're inside the, the Outer Banks. And so one of the nice things about this morning, cruising out, it's dark. It's kind of flat going out. It was nice get to see a beautiful sunrise coming out and you can see the outer banks way out on the horizon because it's a it's it's miles and miles and miles away yeah and you got you can pick up a couple of the lighthouses way off on the horizon you see that sunset come up Um, seas were nice when we started get the decoys out get situated liberty was snuggling up with me keeping me warm (laughs) and um anyway it was uh it was an experience for sure. I think the thing that sort of threw me for a loop was you get these decoys out and you got, I think we had three stringers and then we had the raft, the, the raft that started off full and <laughs> slowly bled throughout the day. And, um, and then the boat is just sort of hanging out there. Right. And, and apparently these ducks, 
when they come in that it doesn't doesn't make them flare doesn't scare them off um and they'll come in and they'll come right into the decoys and uh so that was that was a little bit unusual um wish we had obviously been able to see a little bit more within range yeah. of shootout we did see plenty of uh mergansers come by not mergansers. Cormorants. cormorants cormorants there you go yeah they were learning my ducks all over the place but, um anyway it was it was a it was a good morning till the till the ride back yeah yeah, you were getting pounded in the wind by the and pounded in the face by the wind up there too. I was fine. I was in the captain's chair. I had a backrest. I was sitting <laughs> down, feet propped up. I was actually quite cozy on the front, but uh, yeah, the wind was hitting me in the face. Pretty good, but by the time we all got else back, considered not bad. By the time we all got back, we all looked like cherubs. All of us, our faces were red. <laughs> yeah, from just being <laughs> from just being beaten by the wind on the way back in. Yeah, and it's not. I mean. How many Novembers have you had where you get to work on your base layer? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a positive. Oh, and you tried to rip Jim's center console out of the boat on the way in, too. <laughs> I, I did my best. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, you're running back, and he was going, Jim, how fast were you going, 15, 18? As, high, as fast as 25 when it would let, let us, but, I mean, I don't know about your, my lower back just wouldn't, wasn't really handling 25 miles an hour. and No. You know, just bam, 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 and. So most of it was when it got really rough. It was as slow as ten, but thirteen to fifteen is what I was trying to hold. Yeah, I know you hit, a, you hit a big one in the, the the bow, basically planted, and I put all my weight on it. Uh, I'm pretty sure Briar grabbed it as well. Jim, you probably grabbed it too because it was. I was pulling back the other direction, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that thing sort of jostled a little bit, but it held together to get back to the back to the dock. So that was good. All three of us come to pushing together i think probably what kept it in the boat (laughs) (laughs) i think after that we kind of realized like maybe we'll hunt the river tomorrow yeah yeah you know so we did a little scouting for that today that was uh we've seen quite a few out there scouting yeah i'd say we've seen at least what 60 birds plus probably not more together probably just two of those rats were probably 30 or more there was there was probably one of them that that one big one Probably had close to 60 birds in it. Hey, you know what's funny is we're talking about how many we saw, and we can't count them, but we only saw an eider today and two scoters that were close enough to shoot. So we yeah. only got to yeah. three, see three sea ducks. Then we come back here, we no, see all we, these birds. When we picked know? up the uh, second raptor, wasn't, wasn't there a scoter that come through? No. I didn't Second see time it. we were picking up? No. I was too busy with salt water in my eyes trying to pick, pick, up, pick up all them decoys. Better you than us, man. I well, it's was good you got you. it. You were a champ, and I got to say, your sea legs. Because um, on the on that eighteen foot boat, and we had a rise and fall on the front, where it was it was going up and down three and a half feet, and, yeah. and, and burying so that a little bit of water would come up over the bow. And you were rock solid the whole time, man. That Marine Corps, you know, he's half squid. Yeah. Hey, we, like I said on the boat, we might be a department of the Navy, but we're the men's department. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. man. It's probably a good thing to get a little salt water in your mouth. They say it's good for your vocal cords. Yeah, Pre-podcast, well, salt water in your mouth. I don't know about all that. <laughs> this is, I mean, it's just a, a huge different part of the country for me. I mean, I've, I've grown up in Florida my whole life. And I've, you know, we you drive through Jacksonville or whatever every now and then. And you you kind of get to see eh, some of this, like, type of coastal area. But I've never seen, like, the, the South Carolina coastal area with all the grass. Like, 
just just the way this coastline is built is completely different. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's pretty similar to South Carolina. When I was stationed in Beaufort, it was like the same thing. Beaufort. And Beaufort's here. Beaufort is in South Carolina. Yeah, he's right. Is this Beaufort? Be- Beaufort's the way you pronounce it. Yeah. Oh, South all Carolina. right. If, South uh, Carolina's Beaufort. Beaufort North Carolina's correct. Beaufort. Yeah. But, I mean, there's pluff mud and the, the tide changes are ridiculous. I mean – you live there. It's like, what, six foot normally is a, is a tide change. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you're setting up decoys in the mud, you know, in the morning at 430. And then by six o'clock, all of a sudden your decoys are floating away because you don't really know. You put, didn't put out enough line. But out here, it's not really that bad. But when I'm setting, you know, mallard decoys, I have 10 footed uh, a line on my decoy lines because the water's so deep. So it's it's just different. Um, it took me. I mean, I've ducked them. I ducked them my whole life in Florida, and then going to South Carolina, you got to change everything. And then, you know, California was completely different. And now here, every single time, it's a different way of learning how to do it. So it is nice, but it's it's not the best because you can't you can't be so proficient. Because if you're only here for three or four years, you're good at for three or four years, and then you got to go somewhere else. So it is hard to learn, but it's worth it. Right? I mean. Next year, I will, I'm saying this now, if I have to buy a whole new motor, it's a good thing my wife doesn't really listen to this podcast, I will have a motor on the boat, and I will make sure that we're set up, ready to go. I promise you that. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah, he said he made the mistake of taking his wife to go look at a new motor already. Yeah, well, I didn't know that a brand new Yamaha 115 four-stroke was like 14 grand. <laughs> thousand yeah. bucks a horse. hundred bucks a horse. I was like, what'd you say? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll see you guys later. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned traveling, and you're starting to do a little bit more traveling, but that's actually how Roman, I mean, you, you, Roman and I have a fraternal connection. We're both, we're, all, we're both Sigma guys, and we met at alumni stuff and then started doing a little work together. But I think the first thing we did is uh, the panhandle, Saint, uh, Cape San Blas, right? That's correct. And then after that... How did we connect for Texas? Did I just reach reach out for you, out to you for crane hunting? And I think you called me. We're putting together a group five, six, seven years ago, and we kind of pulled names and shot it out there, and then went out to Lubbock, and um, have been doing a an annual trip every year since then to various parts around the country. I was gonna say, what's well, been a few years now since I joined you guys for cranes in Lubbock? That's where I initially met you, Roman. Correct. That's right. Yeah, that was a one of those nights. Was the night that Roman let me get a little bit too drunk, and I had a headache the whole entire goose hunt the next morning, which was terrible because every time I shot, the headache got worse. But I wasn't gonna not shoot because you have I'm, to. I'm not a bitch, yeah. So, All right, let's sing some praises about Roman because when we were, uh, you were we have the the, the never ending duck box project. Oh, yeah. Right, because you had uh, fundraising. <laughs> it's still not over. And then, well, at least it's all built. Yeah, they're all yeah. built now. And uh, I think we're looking at doing an install the last weekend in February and first weekend in March. So we're going to have to round up some folks from that. Probably going to focus a little bit on the Eustis area, maybe the Claremont, or the Dora chain and maybe the Claremont chain. Lake County. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, 58 duck boxes. But Roman was uh, one of the first guys to leap onto that and... And contribute, even though he spends most of his time in South Carolina. Just solid conservation effort. Thank you very much for the support. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was actually really excited when, when, not that William had to ditch, 
But when William had to ditch the trip and Jim's like, Roman's coming, I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> Love Roman. I get to see Roman again. I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> but uh, the traveling, I- I've actually really enjoyed starting to do a little more traveling to places. And Jim, you kind of did your slow but uh, scenic trip here. Yeah. Um, that's another reason that <laughs> going back to Roman, that's another reason we hit it off is for some reason we both carry this weird gene that um, if we're going to go someplace, like if you're going to go to Illinois, the last place we want to go to Chicago. Yeah. Right? If, we're gonna, if we're going to Texas, we go to all the places except like Houston and Dallas. <laughs> so um, kind of small town thing. Um, so that's one of the reasons I like destination hunting is when you're not actually chasing the quarry we get out and and see america and see the people and we've seen i mean parts of arkansas some some of some of which are kind of tragic but some some are beautiful um not everybody finds it as interesting per se but we were even chatting about it this evening that you may take an architecturally and visually impressive bridge but a lot of those bridges were all built, say, between the New Deal and the Eisenhower era. And they're running, I mean, they're running their course, right? They're not going to be around that much longer. And you, you see it all the time that there used to be, say, a beautiful span or a bridge or an old barn or something like that, and they're just not going to be there much longer. So it sounds kind of silly, but um, I think we're both kind of drawn to things like that. We'll just go out and see. Americana and it's fantastic and if you travel if you go other places there's always things to see but the what we've done in North America is different from what you'll see anywhere else on the on the planet and sometimes as Americans I think that we take that for granted that's understandable I mean for sure uh, our our little trip back from Lubbock that we made we kind of took the scenic route and that was just I mean, I thought the area of Texas that I saw in Lubbock was beautiful. But seeing the towns and the scenery, I mean, and even we even drove, uh, what's it, the, the Four Sixes Ranch? Yeah, one of the, right, I think it's one it, of the largest, it's not the largest ranch in Texas because that's the, uh, the King Ranch. But it's one of those iconic ranches that you may not realize, but it's the history on it's portrayed in movies and series. And, yeah, right and the ranch the itself of it. is, yeah, it's right out there in that. In that canyon area in central Texas, it's beautiful. And we would never have, we didn't know it was there. We stumbled across it because we were taking the road less traveled. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely speak to that too because I just came back from Okinawa, Japan. You know, I was there for three years. And when COVID hit, we weren't allowed to come back to the States. We couldn't travel. Our family couldn't come out and visit us. So when we flew into Washington, Seattle, I told my wife, I said, we planned it ahead of time, but I said, we need to buy you a car. Let's just buy you a car in Seattle and drive from seattle all the way to florida like i'm here i love this country i'm going to go drive everywhere i can like drive all the way through and I, we took my two kids which was kind of havoc but it was worth it right like i just drove from literally completely across, from almost the farthest point north to the southern port it was mm. absolutely gorgeous and i've i've always like pictured myself living in wyoming my wife's never been there we drove through wyoming she looked at me and I was like, this might be the spot. 
Yeah. This might be it. But uh, Western Wyoming or Eastern Wyoming? Uh, I don't know. I drove through the whole state. Like, I mean, you set. We we did this. There's like a road trip um, thing on on uh, online where you can type in where you're starting from, where you're going, and then instead of just taking the fastest route with Google Maps, right? You can plan all these different stops at, you know, popular places or non-popular places, small towns, historic towns. And so we just drove through everywhere and it kind of blew my wife's, uh, her mind when we were driving through and we're on these rolling hills and there's cattle everywhere. There's, you know, pronghorns just jumping across the road in the middle of the highway. We're going, you know, and oh, yeah. it's just so much, it's so different. And then, you know, just like national monuments stopping, going, to everyone we could it was just this country has so much to offer and a lot of the times we're just like oh we'll fly there because it's faster just drive yeah one it's cheaper you get to see the country like just drive get in your car and drive and go see wherever you're at i had always uh, i i still catch myself seeing it like just something to oh i was <clears throat> i was just gonna chime in we were cruising chime around in. this afternoon and uh I'm going to mispronounce it because it, it's spelled like Hoboken, which is in either, is that New York or Wisconsin or something like that? Um, but how's it pronounced, Jim? Hoboken. Hoboken. That's right. It's got a U in there. Hoboken. But, uh, so we're, we're, driving, <laughs> we're driving through Hoboken, and, you know, they have this house that looks 1950s, and uh, it had three different tiers of uh, concrete pilings underneath it. And so you can see where this, it's obviously survived hurricanes. This, this place gets battered with hurricanes. If you look at the map, it's just jutting out into the Atlantic Ocean. It basically catches everything that comes up the eastern seaboard. Everything that skirts Florida, everything that hits South Carolina, everything that touches Georgia is going to pound this part of North Carolina every single time. And every now and then they're going to get one direct, right? So you know this little town that's sort of jutting out there has been hit a bunch. But what was funny about it is it seemed like every time a hurricane came, they jacked it up three feet, right? And so now it's like nine <laughs> feet off the ground. Yeah. It's like this small 1950s house, right? And if you don't get off the main road and go drive around and go see that kind of stuff, you just don't know it's there. Um, and so that's what I kind of enjoy about getting off and sort of checking out. The other thing that was kind of interesting about driving around is, you know, there's, there's low country, which technically runs from roughly – Georgetown, Pauley's Island area south. That's the Georgia coast. And then up the South Carolina coast to, to the Georgetown area. And there are similarities uh, between some of the, the, the farms in this area and some of the, the South Carolina uh, sea islands, right? And so you go through, but you notice some of the differences, right? There's not a lot of oak trees around here, which is, which is strange to me. A lot of pines, not a lot of oaks, but you still have some of those, those, those sort of muck farms, right, where it's just low-lying. You know anytime they get any rain, your tractor probably gets stuck just trying to drive through it. You know half these houses are going to, at least the inland houses, are probably going to flood. Um, but it's just beautiful, beautiful country. Good to get out and see it. There's actually, uh, on your guys' way down uh, back home, there's a national park that nobody really hears of. It's called uh, Moores Creek Battlefield. It's just about an hour south of Jacksonville, uh, North Carolina. And a lot of people don't know about it. A lot of people don't go. But it's actually the first uh, battle that was won from the American Revolutionary War by the Patriots. Hmm. And um, it's cool because you go there. Um, they had Scottish that were actually fighting with swords. It's the last known battle, even from Scotland. It's actually here in America uh, where they use their uh, broadswords. It's the last place it's ever been. It's really cool. Um, 
it's it's pretty crazy when you think about it. That battle site was the first one battle by the Patriots against the Loyalists to make America what it is now. And a lot of people don't know about it. It's called Moore's Creek Battlefield. They don't get a lot of, um, you know, news about it. You know, not a lot of people hear about it, but every February they do a reenactment of the battle and they have a whole oh, bunch of people awesome. come out and it's, I'm taking my kids this year, but I have like videos on my phone. The park rangers there, one of them, um, he plays a bagpipe. And so when I have my Marines and we're going to go, I, I took them there for a PME and I explained to them like, you need to listen to everything this guy's telling you because it's important at the very end we're going to have a talk. And so we went through the whole walk, got to the end, and I said, I hope you guys understand what you're standing on right now is hollow ground, right? This is what made America. This battle right here is the first battle that was ever worn by us, the by our patriots that wanted, you know, represent. There's no there's representation without taxation. We weren't getting, you know, the treatment that we wanted, and here we are, right? This is a piece of American history. And I didn't know about it until I went and somebody was like, hey, you got to go check this out. And I went and did it. And I'm a, I love history. Well, Josh, I'm glad you brought up uh, patriots and loyalists. A lot of people don't know that the, there's been two civil wars in the South. The first was during the American War for Independence. Um, the, many of the, the, the southern colonies were split and, and between whether or not to stay with Britain or to leave. And there were a lot of reasons for that. Um, and if you really think about it at a macro level, a few hundred years you know, into the future, um, there's a lot of great countries in the world that were part of the British Empire until the 1950s, right? So um, you can understand the conflict of that. But it really was a civil war. Uh, there were more uh, revolutionary war battles fought in the state of South Carolina than any other state. Um, you, you brought up the Scottish. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, one of the turning points of the war was the, the, the British had, had taken New York City and effectively the, the strategy was to block off New England, take care of the South, and then go put New England down, which would have happened um, had the tide in the South not changed. And one of the big things that happened, there was a, there was a Colonel, uh, uh, now I'm drawing a blank, but anyway, they called him Bloody Ban and uh, he issued a decree in the, the upcountry of South Carolina and the North Carolina area and effectively said, we're going to come after your farms and your families and your kids unless you prove that you're a loyalist. And um, there were a bunch of Scots that had gone up into the mountains, and they all came down out of the mountains and effectively said, we're not doing this again. And uh, Kings Mountain in South Carolina, which is right on the South Carolina-North Carolina border, that's where the, the, the tide of the war changed, and uh, they routed the British at that battle. It's actually an awesome battlefield if you ever go. But anyway, we're, we're talking 200 miles inland, so. Uh, yeah. But, uh, oh, Swamp Fox and uh, Marion. What was the first name? First Fran name? Francis Marion. Yep. Francis Marion. Was it Lake Marion we crossed? <clears throat> well, that's what made me think of it yeah. as we were crossing it. But if you've seen the movie The Patriot, that's loosely based on that feller. Very loosely, actually. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Marine Corps Station... Buford, H&HS, their call sign is the Swamp Foxes. Oh, really? Yeah. Makes sense. And I was a part of that unit right there in Buford, South Carolina. But that, oh. that battle you were talking about, the first battle that they won, what was it? As I understand it, a lot of harassing, right? And, yes. they, and they frustrated they frustrated the British to the point where they got the British to decide to take them on where the, 
the, the Colonials had the high ground heavily wooded and all the Redcoats tried to run their, run up run up through the woods into heavily fortified position wearing red red jackets. Yeah. And you, you wonder how it didn't work out well for them, right? Yeah. <laughs> but as I understand it, the, the battles or the skirmishes leading up to that were, were the tactics were just fantastic, right? Yeah. They, just, they literally drove them to the point where, like, we're just done running through this mess and and they gambled it all and lost. Yeah, I mean... So, we are, uh, it's it's easy to say that we are amongst a lot of history in the area that we're in, right? And it's it's really neat to, uh, like Rowan was saying, it's, it's, it's really neat to see that stuff. But we're at the end of day one, uh, saw a lot of ducks today, didn't get a chance, did some scouting, saw some birds, so... We'll be up four o'clock tomorrow morning. And uh, what are you doing to your dog, bro? I'm just, pet- I'm just petting the dog. Liberty's making an appearance. Uh, <laughs> we'll be up at uh, four o'clock tomorrow morning setting decoys. Hopefully, we'll get some. Uh, I want to kind of hear. <clears throat> We're going to do. We're doing this in two segments, so we'll be back tomorrow. Um, but I want to hear your tip of the week that we can take from today. Oh, I'll go first. Go I ahead. never go first. When I was packing my gear, I thought, I'm bringing so much, there's no way I'm going to use it. But... Man, when we went out this morning and it was 32 degrees, windy and damp, and I had every piece of clothing I brought except for the raincoat on, I was like, man. So if you're driving in, and that's another reason why it's good to drive, uh, don't be afraid to overpack, man. If I didn't have, if I did, if I had been less, if I had one less layer, it would have been miserable. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I can see that. I got your tip. Let's hear it. When you're building your own raft. Don't use screen door netting. Yeah. <laughs> the, I got zip, a tip. the zip ties pull through it. Go ahead, Rome. That's true. If you come up to Pamlico Sound to, to shoot some sea ducks, make sure you're very wary about the seals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, hold so, on. I'll grab the notebook. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you can't read the notebook. Yeah, you can't see this, but uh, the Airbnb that we're at. Uh, has a well I'll, I'll let Josh read off what's it what's it titled all right so the title is I'm gonna read it verbatim from this notebook wait 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 sure we should let the marine read yeah yeah he's had, he's had his <laughs> he's had his crayons in, it's written in crayons yeah, I okay. can read it okay <laughs> it says there is a lot of nature slash wildlife in this area be aware I'm gonna read down the list here snakes Bear, deer, bobcat, sharks, dolphins, seals, gators, crabs, coyotes, jellyfish, minnows. You got to be very careful around minnows. Oh, yeah. Um, cock, roaches. Two words. Cockroach. <laughs> yeah. It's two words. It's two words. Um, and then we're pretty sure that the owner of this house put in parentheses, 
palmetto bugs uh, because it's different handwriting. And then the last one is mosquitoes. Um, and at the very bottom it says, have been known to be seen in the area. I'm curious who has seen the seal. Yeah. Or seals, actually. There's multiple. So multiple. beware. <laughs> That's right. Beware. Yeah. Of the seals in the outer banks. <laughs> We're going to add beavers to the Beavers. List. Yeah. yeah. Beware the I'm beaver. just really... There's a lot of me that really wonders, was it supposed to be a funny when somebody spelled cockroaches as two words? <laughs> Or did somebody genuinely think that a cockroach was called a cockroach? I have a theory on that. Yeah. I think we're not the first guests who've seen this list, and uh, I believe somebody else added that to the list. Same oh, thing with the seals. It, it's different handwriting. Yeah. Yeah. See? Well, I think they added minnows and dolphins and cockroaches. And seals. But it doesn't seals explain. No, seals was on the original list. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't explain bobcat. But it's not Bobcat, it's Bob Cat. <laughs> yeah, it's two words. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Cat named Bob. <clears throat> oh. One of the houses from a city would be my guess. A big, yeah. large, oh, metropolitan area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, definitely. Because I would assume that what they would think is a seal is probably an otter. I, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it's a seal, okay? Yeah, because gators and crabs is in a different handwriting as well. Yeah, um... But that'll forever be a running joke, by the way. So if you if you hear say anything about cockroaches, it's, it's it's no longer a cockroach; it's a cockroach. Cockroach. And you got to watch out for them seals. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh man, Briar, what do you got? Because I I set, I I let us into this, and I don't even have anything. I'm I'm ready. All right. Always be sure and look at your trailer tires real good before you leave. So you don't Bingo. end up stopping at Walmart. Yeah, we did a, uh, I forgot to talk about mine and Briar's drive. Uh, yeah. We made a pit stop at Walmart, bought two tires, and then. And a jack and a four-way. Well, well I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> leading the story here. Uh, so we had stopped at a, a rest area because Briar had to piss or something. No, we, we stopped to literally check the trailer tire. But um, we, we stopped to check them. Briar's like, that one's pretty bad we should probably uh, put new tires on this thing. So we stop at Walmart at 6 o'clock in the morning and uh, get two tires, get out to the truck, and I pull everything out of the back. The back is like slap packed. I had the seats flipped up, and I had packed it from the floor to the ceiling, and the back seat was stuff. Pull everything out, come to find out... Uh, Somebody at some point down the road that owned my truck decided to keep the jack. So we're like, shit. <laughs> Briar's got to go back in and buy a jack. <laughs> so he gets his jack. We get the tires changed. And we're finally back on the road. But uh, So check your tires so that you don't have to make a pit stop at Walmart and do a whole... I mean, we looked at them the night before and aired them up. It was pretty dark, though. It was, yeah, it was dark. But when it was dark, when we looked at that other one, that other spot must have been on the bottom. Yeah, because there was a bad spot, and I'm like, this ain't gonna make ten hours. <laughs> Turned into twelve. Yeah, I lost a. Uh, I lost the tail passenger side tail light. Got to watch them railroad to tracks, a railroad man. track, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of. Lot, I do think that South Carolina visually is the 
most aesthetic state in the South, possibly in the whole country. But Roman, some of your roads are just shit. And that pile of bricks they put out in front of that railroad crossing. <laughs> I did tell Same Briar. fella broke the bo- built the boat ramp, built that railroad crossing. Yeah. I did tell Briar when we crossed into South Carolina, I was like, dude, their highways are shit. Yeah. That we, was like, there, yeah, there were some serious <laughs> potholes on 95. Pennsylvanians don't like driving through South Carolina, man. Well, there are some positives, right? Yeah. Well, there yeah. is actually. Yeah. I so guess Roman lives there, so the state of North Carolina or South Carolina, the roads are so bad. You get one free windshield a year per vehicle because they know the roads are bad. We get that in Georgia too, or Florida. No, you don't. And you Florida, get you get one wind- free windshield a year. Geez, I need. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I need a new windshield. I- I'm on my third one in my truck. I just got the third one put in. They wanted to charge me like 300 bucks. No, one free windshield a year in the state of Florida. Yeah, your insurance covers it. So how's that different in South Carolina? South Carolina gets one? Yeah. How do you it's know It's not that, any way? different. I, I know just that know that. You gotta, you I'll gotta, tell you how I know it. So I had a Tahoe in South Carolina, and I might have had the front windshield tinted, and I got a ticket for it, and instead of peeling the tint off, I might have had a crack in the windshield after that. So I called Safe Light Repair, Safe Light Replace, and they came out on base and replaced it, and my insurance covered it. You got a chip in the Chevy, I noticed. Beautiful. I do have a chip in the Chevy. I'm going to be calling on, well, after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Get my free <laughs> windshield. You do? Yeah. I don't want to get gypped. The year's almost up. Right? <laughs> yeah. Per vehicle. So. All right. Maybe I'll call him a couple times. Then. Yeah. <laughs> call, call for the wife. Oh, so I'm going to say, uh, man, take care of your guns. Right, because first thing we did as soon as we got back today, especially since we're in the salt water, is every single one of us broke our shotguns down, cleaned the absolute piss out of them, oiled them, and then most of us put some rim oil on them. Because the last thing you want your shotgun to do is just rust together from being out there in the salt water. My, my shotgun, when I pulled the bolt back just to test it after reassemble it, it was drippy. I had to break, I broke it down again and wipe some of the oil out of it. <laughs> nah, leave, leave that drip in there. Just displace the rest of the water. That yeah. was yeah. That's mainly what I was worried about. But man, I got a little carried away. Nah. Is there such thing though with salt water? I mean, well, I so yeah, because what will end up happening? The salt is stick to the we'll, oil. We'll go. Well, we're gonna hunt. We're gonna hunt in Texas. My next two duck hunts are salt water. Now that I think about it, but. Will inevitably happen if you have a gun that's got too much oil in it. You'll go hunt someplace like West Texas where it's fine clay. Yeah, what and ends up happening is all that fine clay gets into that oil and just turns it into mud. Well, you're not going to clean it. I'm talking about for like here. Like when I get home, I'm going to like suck that sucker. I got denatured alcohol. I'm going to dunk all the parts in a bucket of denatured alcohol, and that'll displace all the water that got in there, and it should take the salt out. Yeah, good idea. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. We're into day one. We're going to come back to you shortly after this at the uh, end of day two. So we'll see you next time. All right. Well, we're at the end of day two, hunt two, our final hunt. We finished it up. We're done with dinner and everything. And uh, unfortunately, Mr. Roman the Hammer Hamas is not here to join us for this one. No, Uh, he's bailed. He's got a... He's leaving for a family trip tomorrow, so he cut out after our morning yeah. our morning sit. But uh, this morning, 
started out fairly eventful. We uh, <laughs> left the dock at about, me and Josh and Briar left the dock at about 420. Excuse me, like it, yeah. To, uh, ooh, <coughs> ooh, excuse me. Uh, so that Josh and I could throw out, well, Briar drove the boat. So me and Josh and Briar threw out Deeks. And me and Josh brushed it in. But about as soon as we pulled up, we were like, hey, let's get the guns and blind bags in the blind. And then uh, we'll start doing stuff from there, get some stuff out of the boat. So I get in the blind, and they're handing me guns and blind bags and stuff, and I'm setting blind bags out. And uh, I hear Josh go, what the fuck is that? (laughs) And then I realize that I'm in the far corner of the blind away from the door. And then I realized that the boat has gotten exponentially further from the blind. <laughs> so Bail it out. So I think it's we first have to start off by saying these blinds are permanent blinds yeah. that are used for and they're in public waters, so they're legal to hunt off of. So for you know most of the people that are hearing this or people that have hunted in Florida or never hunted in you know permanent blinds on the river, they are legal to hunt in and they're legal to be built. And we just happened to find one where we saw birds scouting the other day. About yeah. ten, ten, 10 feet wide, ten feet long, and about four feet wide, with nice, nice solid bench to sit on. Yeah, so it's kind of hard it to see solid, under the bench. Solid two by know, four. It's yeah. hard to see under the bench at four thirty in the morning, but it's not hard to see what the hell comes out when you're on, on the, the bow of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the funny thing is, is, is I'm back there and I'm handing stuff to Jordan, not even thinking anything of it, right? And Josh is like. There's a raccoon right there on the blind. Like, oh, hello there. What are you talking about? I look up, and I just see this little raccoon that's, like, hanging on for dear life <laughs> I, on the edge of the boat. And my dog's up front, and so is Josh. And, like, at this point, both of us are still kind of hanging on, like, wondering what we're <laughs> supposed yeah. to do. And I look down next to Josh, and there's my dog. And I'm like, nope, not my dog. <laughs> yeah, so the, <laughs> the, blind, the, boat the blind is in, like, three and a half foot of water. And they just pushed the boat away, and I'm like, my only thing is like, they just freaking left me in this blind. <laughs> <laughs> they just left me in this blind with this raccoon. Like, like, and I'm like, like I Josh have to is g- thinking this thing's gonna eat his face off. <laughs> I'm thinking it's gonna eat my dog. And I'm, like, and I'm thinking nope, I don't have today. true friends anymore because they just <laughs> they just abandoned me in the blind with a raccoon. Well, needless to say, I wasn't about to get abandoned in it. So uh, I ran to the door as fast as I could. And I ran for my life. Yeah, I was. He goes, what the hell? You left me. (laughs) (laughs) And I made the probably what, like seven foot leap? It had to be. So, I mean, if the boat's on the water, it's three foot up. We're two feet in the air, give or take, and probably seven foot away. Briar, Briar and I are just happy to be away from the raccoon. We yeah. think about Jordan. Jordan and I'm like, jumped. I'm like, 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 I'm trying to like uh, steer the boat and whatever, and drive, and and I'm like, somebody grabbed a freaking dog <laughs> so the dog don't jump on this thing. Mm. Jordan jumped seven feet. It keeps getting that, it keeps getting longer. The it's, day, it was either I mean I remember yeah. it was either six or seven foot, and I watched Jordan. Like, it was jump. a long ways. Like, yeah. like, Jordan could have easily just went right in the water. <laughs> and yeah, landed I, on I, his feet. Yeah, I understand that you stuck the landing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like it was perfect. Just oh, what? Right in the there, bo- was there was so much a, adrenaline going, I didn't know what was going on. There wasn't even a stumble, nothing. It was just in the boat, 
feet ground on the front deck. <laughs> you guys left me. <laughs> you should have said that was some ninja shit. We Not, did. You left me. No, because as like, soon as I landed, Pisa! as soon as I landed, I was like, "You left me." I was I like, "I think he was more I worried about." I gotta get my camera because I gotta get this on film. <laughs> like, and I'm looking, and I'm like, the bank is 20 feet away. That little sucker had to swim out there. Yeah. And he was staring at us like stone cold. Like, like what the hell is going on right now? Yeah, mind We're you, thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, mind you, we had scouted this area yesterday. We sat in the blind. Yeah, and sat yeah. in the blind. So he was not in the blind yesterday. No. He got in there last night. He was in there looking for Cheetos you might have left behind. All I cared about was the food in the bags. Yeah, Josh, Josh was like, like, the food, the food. He's don't let get him the get food. the snacks. And I'm like, hold my freaking dog. We can get more food. <laughs> He wasn't about to eat that beef jerky. Yeah, that, that was beef it. jerky came in clutch around ten o'clock. That it was did. the only thing you kept repeating was, "Don't let him get the snacks." <laughs> I'm like, hold the dog so the dog don't tear off after this thing. Oh, and then finally, you know, pick up a pine limb that we had for brush, and Josh is trying to like brush off the, the pine needles while I'm yelling at him. Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> oh man, I gotta say, it was the raccoon took it. Uh, very nicely, though. He didn't hiss or anything. He was just like, hey, hey, okay, 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 I'm getting out of here. Sorry. And then he finally, he, he jumped in the water. And he starts swimming to, like, the opposite bank, which is what, like, how far I, you think that I'd was? I'd say it's at least 200 yards. Dude, that's more than 200. 200 you think so? That's, that's like easy 500, five man. That's easy 500. You, this is okay, com- how many meters on. away was that, Okay, hold on. Marine? This is also coming from the people that said, that raft is 80 yards away from the blind. And it when was we only first like were going to set it, it was. <laughs> I don't think... It, well, that sucker was out there. Well, I could throw a football there, so I'm thinking it's 200 yards. No. You no can not throw a football <laughs> no 200 <way>. yards. <laughs> I can throw a football over these mountains, all right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Call me Uncle Rico. Yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing is when the thing got some water, like I said, it was going to go make the 500-yard swim, not the 20-foot swim. Yeah. So we're, George's like, you got to herd it back to the bank. So I'm like following this thing, trying to cut it off, get it back to the bank, and it has does not want anything to do with it. And then it starts heading back to the blind, and I had to like speed up, cut it off again. Poor raccoon. <laughs> and then we don't even know where the raccoon is, because all we're thinking is we got to get these decoys out so we can get ready for these birds. Yeah, we're just finally like, okay, it's not headed toward the blind. Let's leave it. <laughs> so finally, the sun comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well no, no, no. I, even, then, even before the sun comes up, Briar's okay. like, okay, I got to go get Jim in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like we unload, the, we, we unload my, the brush into the blind, and they're going to brush it in. And I'm like, it's 5 30. I need to come back and get y'all. Or no, it was like, was on, I probably got here closer to 5 30. Yeah, man. We were back to the blind in plenty of time. Oh, yeah. We had plenty of time. But so, yeah. But so, so Briar leaves, and he's like, Driving not in the direction that he needs to be going. Mind, mind you, I had like two broken light bars. I couldn't turn the light bar on at all because it was shine. It was shining in my face, <laughs> so I couldn't really see anything if I had the light bars on. And then I'm trying to hold my phone so I can read the Onyx map to see where the point was and all of that, and hold the light so I can see if there's anything in the water, and make sure I don't like just send it right onto the land. And all this at the same time. So I'm following the bank I can kind of see to jump across 
And Jordan's called me like, why didn't you just go this direction? And you'd have been right there. I'm like, I got it. I'm busy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like we're mid brushing in and we just stop and watch him drive in the wrong direction. <laughs> I literally, I'm like, I looked at, I, I looked over at Jordan and I said, where the hell is he going? I mean, complete wrong direction. Not anywhere close, really. I mean, maybe south, but the only way to get to the house up to that is going to have to be pick the boat up, drag it over 150 yards, 200 yards of land to get to the other side. Yeah. I'd have just followed the shoreline around. <laughs> and Actually, been- Jordan said that. He goes, he's just going to look towards that shore and just follow the shore the whole way, and that's exactly what you did. Because I could, well, it was like either not see open water or kind of got to shore so I can kind of get around. Because I just shot across hey, eventually. Man, all, all I know is you arrived on time, grabbed us, <laughs> and got us back to the blind. Yeah, I did. Although there's I went there's past no it. reason to be giving you crapola for having to try I, what, to navigate it, it is what it is. dark by <laughs> cell phone. We're, we're giving yeah. him crap because he's Brian. We love him. And oh, then man. going back out, I'm I'm watching. Like I got Roman like kind of half. like He was trying, but... And I think part of the light was dying. And instead of like kind of scanning a little bit, it was just like one spot. And I was like, yeah, that's doing a whole lot of good. But well, he I couldn't. I mean, did, trying he to didn't communicate. Know that he didn't know where you were going. Like trying to communicate that. And I thought I was going just following the dot on my, the way my dot was going on Onyx. And I'm looking and I'm like, now the blind's getting further away. <laughs> What's going on here? And I'm like, it's pit dark. Like, we, I. I could have went within 10 foot of that blind and not even seen a decoy. Yeah. And then... Well, they're all black decoys anyways, and it's dark outside. Yeah, so I'm like, wouldn't have seen nothing. And then, like, I'm looking at my phone trying to figure out Onyx, and Jordan calls me. He's like, hey, you went like nine miles. Of course, the (laughs) over-exaggeration. He was an easy 300 yards in the wrong direction. And then I look at my phone, and I kind of look around, and I'm like, and you're like, I'm shining the light. And I'm like, oh, crap. I was looking at the wrong point. Because the way that was, the one point, or that the island that was in front of us, right? The point of that island came out further than the point that the blind was on. So in the dark, it looked like one point. Yeah. So it looked like I, visually, that I was going the right direction to the point in the dark. Now, during the daytime, I found it no problem. Well, I think it was also funny. I'm over here, and I looked at Jordan. I'm like, I'm just going to turn my flashlight on and off while I have the 8% iPhone. battery. The iPhone light. Yeah. 8% battery on my phone because I forgot to charge it. It didn't charge the night before. So I'm just blinking this light over and over and over again. I said, Jordan, can you see it? I don't know. And then we hear the voodoo start up, and we're like, he knows where he's going now. Yeah. <laughs> started coming right at us. Like, because I remember I got, we got to the blind before we saw the raccoon, and I was like, Oh crap! I should have started a track on Onyx so I can follow it back. And then he didn't use the track. <laughs> he didn't use a track when he went back to the house. <laughs> I forgot to do it again. And then I didn't have one to follow the way back. <laughs> well, it's a good thing because you would have went 180 yards the other way, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, God, it was a funny morning. Navigating on a duck boat in early morning when the sun's not up and it's foggy. Which, Foggy and two broken light bars. Yeah. And I've never been here before either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no idea where you're at. He never ever- seen this place before Friday. <laughs> he had everything against him on that one. I don't know, man. 
<clears throat> it happens. We got to the blind, and I think you did a fine job. Did all right. Did pretty good. Had a little mix up. That's all right. Everybody got. It was not like we arrived after shooting light. No, we had lots of time before shooting light. Oh yeah. 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 It was a beautiful morning. It was. It was, man. It was gorgeous. We saw hundreds of buffalo heads. All over the place, just not in the decoys. But unfortunately, they were should should have been here yesterday. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We whacked one, though. Two of At least two of us had it. We got that from the yeah. uh, <clears throat> post-mortem dinner survey. Yeah. yeah. I was all happy I found copper-plated bismuth, and I was like, hey, that's either me or Briar. And one of us shot it. And then also we found one that... Was not copper plated bismuth, so it's a combo. I was either Roman or Jordan, apparently. But I mean, well, I mean, it could have been any of the three of them. Yeah, I felt pretty good about me the and shot, you were man, but I don't. I don't ever claim, man. When you got that many guys shooting the birds, you can't. Who knows? I didn't realize that all that matters is one went down for the group. At least yeah. three of all us three. Were all at the three same of them bird. should have dropped. I think like all five of us were shooting at the same bird. Well, it does. It does explain how three buffalo heads flew through five guns and only one got dropped. Probably because we were all, all shooting at the same bird. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't take the lead bird because I figured everybody else was on a lead bird. Well, me and right? like. Well, what <laughs> so, makes sense for me and Roman to shoot the back bird because we were on the far side of the blind after they'd come through. And I was in the middle. Me being at the far left hand side, right? Yep. Of the blind and Roman on the to my right. It makes sense that we shot, and then birds coming left to right through the decoys. That's why I shot the one I did. <laughs> I'm going to venture to say there was only four accurate shots because I had brush in my face, and all I did was shoulder that weapon and throw it up in the direction. Couldn't even look down the side, <laughs> so I just let all three of them rip. You got to do it sometimes, man. Sometimes it worked out for you. The, so bir- the bird was eaten tonight. That's what matters. Yeah. Yeah, it turned out real well. You know, I, you said you, got, you you said you caught a little hint of fishy taste in your piece of breast. Um, like, cause I cut the breast up in, in smaller pieces. One piece I caught a hint of fishy taste. Probably a little fat on it, maybe a little skin. Maybe I don't know, man. I'd imagine it would be the fat. That makes sense, though. I think so, maybe it was just because I cleaned it, and I had to sit there and smell it, and it smelled like rotten fish. I would say there's no doubt that. You could take that because we. That's if I didn't clean that bird, I wouldn't. A, yeah. have, I probably wouldn't have. That's a fresh it. kill and eat. If you took that bird and soaked it in buttermilk and for a few days, that bird was twelve hours dead. It's still fresh. Did, did you? Did you have enough pudding taste? I did not have any. No, I didn't. <coughs> I think. You know, I think but, it's probably because he cleaned it. Probably. Yeah. That's what I think. I honestly think it's because I cleaned it and it's just all in my face. This is one buffalo head that got. Browned in pancetta oil. Um, the legs got to uh, braise for a little bit in some stock, but the the breast itself was just just browned in pancetta to a medium rare and uh, set aside. And then we cut that in half, so we each got a half a piece of buffalo head breast, and then we split. Two guys got thighs, and two guys got drumsticks of the braised buffalo head. So we didn't exactly sit down to a sumptuous meal. No. Because um, if you had, it's like it, something you would eat at a fancy restaurant where it's just a little tiny serving. It was delicious. It wasn't appetizing. Yeah. Well, thank you. That was yeah. the the sauce and 
the mushrooms and the all that good delicious. stuff. delicious. Thank you. Um, I love making that. Um, it's great with any kind of wild game poultry. I love eating it anytime you make it. Well, well, it's not even poultry. We put that, we put that stuff on top of these cheeseburgers, these oh, venison yeah. burgers. Yeah, and that was man. That I was might amazing. do that just for burgers. That that thing was good. I tell you, it's, I, we all hunt for different reasons, but I, I I love to hunt. But I think that if 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 something happened where I I couldn't eat animal protein or if, if if they ever you know there's one there's some kind of tick out there i think the lone star tick can give somebody something where they can't eat venison or they can't eat red meat oh. and, I, and i think that if i caught that and you said hey man you can't eat red meat i probably wouldn't hunt deer anymore um i hunt because i love the whole process of knocking down the animal um processing the animal though so i was very happy you cleaned that bird today thank you very much Briar. yeah you're welcome and and then trying to take trying to take what is ordinarily a little bit more challenging food because it's so lean, and not just making it something like oh hell yeah I ate it, but people are like well thank you very much for the compliments. People are like wow that was freaking fantastic, you know that because that's that's the art of of cooking. Um, but I think I enjoy cooking. But I, I man, if somebody said hey we're just gonna go make beef bolognese I'd be like yeah want to make venison bolognese I'm all in right it's like I mean I, I just I just like cooking with wild food better than I like cooking with uh, store bought stuff yeah. yeah it makes sense it, it yeah. has so much I don't people sometimes complain about the gaminess but I think wild game meat has so much more natural flavor to it let, let me add something to that because I made that I made and I use shank I used these two shanks off of that deer. Um, it was, you know, picked up off the road. But anyways, I used two shanks and like two wood ducks, two whole wood ducks and two breasts in that gumbo. And I took it to my Sunday school class and we did a little um, like potluck thing. And I made that gumbo. But I would not tell anybody what the meat was. Did you, tell them, did you tell them they were eating roadkill? Did you tell them after roundabout, but I, I told oh, them no, no, after they, they was eating roadkill. There's no if ands or but. That that deer got dispatched. Oh, I by told him it was killed smashed. by a car. <laughs> I told him it was hit by a car. Um, roadkill. Yeah, but I didn't tell him like anything of what the protein was in that thing, and they all loved it. And then afterwards, I told. When I told them what was in it, they were like, yeah. Some of them, there was a couple of people like, yeah, if you'd told me before I ate that what was in it, I wouldn't have ate it. And I'm like, that is exactly why I didn't tell you what was in it. Yeah. So I, if you'd have told me, if, 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 if they would have said that they just didn't like it after they ate it and they didn't know what it was, then I'd probably have been like, okay, maybe it's just not your taste. But when you tell me, when you don't know what it is and somebody hands you a plate of something, it smells really good, it's presented good, you eat it, it tastes good, and then they tell you it's some, I don't know, just something off the wall weird. I mean, it's not that's not weird to us, right? No. I, to a lot I of people, it is weird. People, though. You know, well, I, I didn't do it to sneak up on them. Yeah. I did it so they didn't have a preconception of what that was going to taste like. Yeah. 
No, yeah. and, and it, uh, that was a bad choice of words on my part. I I used to do the same thing. I don't want people to have a pre- preconception, but I, I found that some people and it is they just don't know. But it doesn't matter because what people put put in their bodies to a lot of them is incredibly important. And you know, so all of a sudden you're feeding them venison, which is probably some of the best stuff you can eat. But you know, they're they're Bambi people. Right, and they get they'll get a little bent out of shape sometimes. So I, I always let people know what they're eating. Um, well, well, I mean, I do I think joke, man, because I let people. Like, I let, it's pretty wide known that if you come to my house and eat gumbo, they're, they're you know, it ain't chicken. Yeah, but whenever some somebody asks me what's in the gumbo, I, I always answer it's chicken. They, then, yeah, they, I, well, they knew it wasn't that wasn't store bought meat. I think everybody knew that. <laughs> They just didn't know exactly what it was. Yeah, it was good. But thank you. So, I'm not going to name drop, but we came to this part of North Carolina to hunt with Josh, had his game calls. What made you, I mean, I, you know, I know other than uh, you, you kind of live up near here, but you don't specifically live in this area. You still made, what, an hour and a half drive? Yeah, so it's about an hour drive. This is, um, I can get to the sound from Pamlico Sound where we hunted yesterday. And I can get to the river, Pamlico River, if I need to. But um, I'm about an hour drive from here. So it's not really that far, but it's not something that I'm consistently doing hunting out here. I just really wanted to try to get us on sea ducks because most of us, right, like me being born and raised in Florida for my entire adulthood until I left for the Marine Corps, that's all I've ever hunted was Florida. So you got dogs with antlers for deer, right? <laughs> I mean, sometimes you get on bigger ones, but it's it's just not the same. And when you're shooting ducks in Florida, you're shooting teal, black belly whistlers, wood ducks. Models. Models. And you'll Ringers. get it in ringnecks, right? You'll get it. If you're like me, you're going to shoot your limit of 15 coot every time you go out because I eat the crap out of those. Hell yeah, man. But um, it's just something completely different. It's a completely different bird, different type of hunting. I mean... Unless you're from, like, the Okeechobee area, you're not really doing open water hunting like we're doing here. No. You know? And, unfortunately, with the whole boat situation, we were just kind of doing it on a whim, right? Trying to figure it out along the way. And with my boat not being done, I couldn't scout, so I had to have a buddy tell me. And so next year, it'll be a little bit different if you guys come down because I will make sure that we're a little bit well prepared. But if you actually sit back and think about it, when is the last time you've seen, I mean, we actually got to see true migrator birds today. Yeah. You know, I mean, hundreds of yards in the sky where you know they're not going to come down, period, because they're actually migrating. In a cloud of like 500. Yeah. Like, yeah. if they go in front of the sun, they're going to put a shade, they're going to put a black spot in front of the sun. Yeah. You don't see that in Florida. You don't see migrators. So that was... No, I mean, and when you do uh, in Florida, you're looking at like migrating teal. They're uh, like, these are like big birds that yeah. are migrating. You'll, you'll catch them coming down the... If you're in the Indian River Lagoon, especially if the wind is blowing offshore, you'll unfortunately see them just flying. If you're in the refuge, flying down the beach. Yeah. Big flocks like that. But you're right. It's pretty... It was it was unique. And to see all the buffleheads, because um, we saw pretty good squadrons of them. But it's kind of funny. You, you mentioned Florida. Like, oh, uh, you know, in Florida, what are you going to have to hunt? Teal, wood ducks, mallards. Well, Florida mallards, you know, the... Models, yeah, the models, and then um, black belly whistling ducks. But 
if you were to stack up like all the different ducks that there are, teal, wood ducks, mottleds, not so much the ringer, but man, those are some of the best eating ducks there are. Oh, I mean, yeah. we just happen to have an abundance in Florida. Well, last week we had Chuck at, uh, at Chinique. Am I saying that right? Yeah. yeah. He's like, I, he, he loved eating ringers. Yeah. I mean, well, I, as far as I'm concerned, I ate the shit out of that bubblehead and I'd eat 30 more of them if we had them. Yeah. Yeah. I got a buddy who um, we served together and all he's been telling me is, I just want to kill a wood duck. I never killed a wood duck. The most beautiful bird I've ever seen. And so for us, right, like, we shoot yeah. ducks on the regular, like, yeah. you know, every weekend. Yeah, so but you got people are... who have never seen it. And, like, we talked on when we were out in the blind, like, shot some cinnamon teal when we were in California when I was stationed out there. Jordan goes, where'd you shoot cinnamon teal at? I said, Cali, they're everywhere. He goes, man, I want to shoot one of those. And that's, I think that's oh, the cool nice. part, you know, yeah. like getting it, being able to go out and see all these things. And when you guys were talking about, you know, when you guys went to Arkansas and when you went on your Texas hunt. Like, you're smacking sandhill cranes yeah. and, like, all these different type of birds, greenheads or whatever it is. It's just that different opportunities, and you have to go to those flyways to get to those opportunities. But we don't get to see sea ducks in Florida either, so that's why I was really excited, right, because sea ducks are just a different beast. Than- I think just the, the style of hunting itself is so completely different. It's such a neat experience, right? Yeah. Like, you don't ever, like you said, unless you're down, like, Okeechobee, we... We don't ever open water hunt like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're in a you're in a marsh somewhere. Or you're up tucked up in some weeds, or yeah. Even if you're in one of these lakes, there's going to be reeds somewhere in the middle you can put your boat in. Yeah, there's no yeah. reeds out here. That is, you know, it is a challenge because as a Florida guy, you're used to hunting holes because you don't. By and large, you don't find ducks in open water. Right, they're always tucked up into something, and out here it is frustrating. Because they're in the open water. Well, we were earlier in the podcast said should have been here yesterday, and scouted, found them, found them in large numbers, set up right where they were, and today they were there. They were just five hundred yards away, yeah. and even when boats drove through them, they just they they just didn't picked come. up and moved a hundred yards. Yeah, and we watched like we watched pair and and. Threes and fours all day long. Follow the leader right back into that same rafter. I mean, we definitely went to the traits that we were raised on duck hunting, right? When Briar, Jordan, and I, we were like, let's go see where these birds are at. Let's see if they're actually back here. So if they are back here, they'll come out for the evening. And what did we do? We instantly went back into the woods to try to find a little pond. Because we're like, oh, we bet bet there's woodies back there. What happened when we came around that corner, Briar? There was nothing there. Not a single bird in that little thing. But there was hundreds of bufflehead out in the open water. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Another thing that's that's crazy to me that I'm used to hunting is, like, when I scout, not only am I looking for birds, but I'm looking for food. Yeah. Right? These birds eat, like, fish and crustaceans and crap like that. I don't know how to... Where am I looking for crabs? And I mean, it's not yeah. like you can see the bottom. Yeah. Right? So so you can't just go, okay, I know there's food here, so birds are probably going to come here every day. Yeah. yeah. It may not be the same set of birds, but birds are going to find food in this area. I mean, how do you... How do you really mark out an X and just straight up open water that doesn't display food like that? Yeah. I think the other thing that was interesting, too, is that boat that posted up in the middle of the river right they they shot what a couple times in the morning maybe yeah. 
and they well, sat there for hours and we were shooting we saw more birds than they did you know and that's a guide service out there so it's, it was difficult for everybody we're still early in the season you know so we're just trying to play catch up and we really were just throwing everything we had at it to try to figure it out but i do understand when those guys hunt those scissor blinds in the middle of the river because like we said we were the the permanent blinds are on one side of the river or not mm-hmm. and today our permanent blind if our permanent blind had been on the other side of the river we'd have, we'd have had to stop shooting buffalo heads at 10 o'clock in the morning we'd have been done oh, yeah. oh right? 100% yeah. yeah so but if those guys that are hunting those scissor scissor blinds and to try to describe a scissor blind it's uh, not your it, typical yeah it's basically a floating platform in the shape of a u where you could pull the boat in on one open end. And then along the top end of the platform, every so many feet is a piece of PVC that you can then stick a pine branch in. So the guys will, basically you're hunting this U of pine branches. You're hunting, you're, you're hunting a wall of pine, behind a wall of pine branches on three sides, and then they just camo the back of the boat. And it can move. And I can understand that if we had had that today even, it, we'd have been able to slowly over a period of time, probably even trolling motor over to those birds. And eventually, because they were drifting around a little bit, yeah. we'd gotten close enough to water swat them or, or catch passers. So I, I could see why the, the attraction of doing that, because it's so frustrating to be in this great blind where the ducks are out in front of it one day and you're there the next day and they're just they're over there. And you're like, you just watch them play follow the leader all morning. Yeah. You know, we there was only... We had three pass overhead at one point that we could have taken shots at, but we just didn't catch them in time. And then there was the three that buzzed, buzzed the decoys one time that we managed to drop one because we all shot at the same duck. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, oh, you guys had one more uh, duck of some kind. Oh, Bluebill. Yeah. Bluebill. But that was it, man. Yeah, there, was just, we- <laughs> there was three opportunities to shoot a duck today. Other than that, you were. Well, that wasn't the only wait, wait, waterfowl wait. we got to shoot at. Uh, and I was going to mention this. Hmm? We had a little surprise, though, that you failed to mention. Ah, that's right. Six or seven geese? Yeah. Or Dude, that. there was more than that. There was yeah. like 12. We were sitting in the blind. And I just, I've been oh, up here. I thought I, thought I, was gonna dro- I thought I dropped that lead bird. Yeah. Dude, that first bird that you he, hit definitely was like, Ugh! I sailed the and first shot, and he just ate it. And it was like, like you see him like flinch, like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> well, what's funny? They were high. Yeah, they, they were. I mean, they were. They were. I think it would have been different if we had BBs. But I remember we were standing in the blind. Everybody was looking forward, right, looking for birds. And I heard one honk. Yep. And I turned around. And I said, "There's geese coming. There is geese coming." And I turned around. Another honk came, and they flew right over top of us. They were probably, I, I think, they were like thirty, maybe thirty-five yards ahead of us. But we just didn't have the right shot. And all I could think about after, I mean. W- Every single one of us shot, except for me. I kind of stood back. I was like, I've shot in plenty of goose. Let these guys get it. And then the only thing I could think of, I was like, man, I got two dozen goose floaters and my goose calls at the house. God, if we would have had those, they probably would have came down. Yeah. And that would have been uh, insane. Maybe. Maybe. You don't know. But I think they were a little higher than 30. I think if they were 30, we'd have pasted them. But I don't know. You, you even, think we're all even, shooting even like number fours. fours. Yeah. Fours are a little late on geese. Twos, twos and knock them down cold. And certainly BBs will put, crush them. I mean, we use BBs on cranes. But they were they were a little high. And 
you know, wind is also a bit of a funky thing. And when they're that high, even trying to guess your leads, because there was a couple of them that that flared a little bit. Like they, it was more than you know. They they obviously were trying to change direction because they saw oh shit, right? They saw us move, swinging on them. But there was a couple of them that definitely I think probably got peppered. But oh, that I think for- if you if you hit if you hit them in the breast meat, well, you're not. I don't I don't think you got through the feathers. Yeah, I like think it, those birds. It stung him, and that was about it. Yeah, but I, I, he caught a few pellets. Well, you were the closest to him too. Yeah, yeah. I was the first shot. I was the only one that shot at that time, and he, that goose, was flying. You physically see him like flinch in the air, and then catch his wings, get the air back under his wings, and, yeah. and keep going. I was trying to pick off the one that was dead on the far end. <laughs> Right, on the closest end. I was yeah. trying to, yeah, and then I think Roman was going after the one next hit because I watched them both. I watched them both like double clutch a little bit, but man, yeah. they they just they didn't even. It was a it was a mere annoyance. There was no yeah. like ah they didn't break off or anything. They just ah what the fuck was that and kept going. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but we got we did get to take a shot at some geese. That's the first time I ever shot at a goose. Well, they're fun, man. It's a different. It's and they fly so much slower, so you think they're going to be easier to kill. No, but if you don't hit them right, man, they not they're tanks. They got hit them in the head. Shoot them in the lips. Yeah, mm. I mean you you can break their wings and stuff. I've, I've done it, but when we're normally when we're shooting geese, in um, usually we're, we're sitting in recliners covered up in in either um, gillies or we're in painter suits under snow geese. Layouts. Yeah, and you're laying there, and they'll circle the decoys two, three times. But man, when they commit, and you waiting, and you're waiting because you're they, you're right in the middle of the decoy spread, you know. And when they land in the decoys, or they're coming in there, when that guy yells "cut them," they're they're ten yards off you, man. <laughs> yeah, just like they're. And it's amazing. You think that a bird that big. That's all laid out and getting ready to land. Totally committed. It, it is pretty easy to hit them, but they change directions right now. They're incredibly agile for a big bird, man. Yeah. You come down, and you think, "Oh, I'm going to pace this guy," and I'll say, "Whoa, boom!" You know, uh, they they move pretty quick. But um, at that range, it doesn't matter. You could be shooting on those on those ones that are the closest. You could be shooting nine shot and you're dropping them. You're hitting them with yeah. a whole. You're hitting them with a whole ounce and a half or ounce and a quarter. <laughs> Pow! I'm just sitting here thinking right now. Liberty would have had a. Uh, it would have been interesting if we would have dropped the goose. I think she'd have had a blast <sighs> with that thing. I think man. she would have got it. So my uncle, he has three labs, and he sent them off and had them trained, and they were like great duck dogs. He, he I think he went out to Arkansas, and he did a goose hunt. And this dog was like, I think he was like three or four years old at the time. Never seen a goose in its life. Sent the dog out to go pick this goose up. Looked at that goose. Turned around and went the other way because he didn't even know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, Uncle Brian, if you're listening <clears throat> to this, you know. I mean. Get better dogs. I've heard. <laughs> I, like, I've, I've heard about it where dogs, like, have a hard time. Because the goose is so big, right? Yeah. And oh, if the dude. dog's not used to picking up geese. Uh, they have a tough time. Yeah. One, if they even get it. <clears throat> Two is like, so they're trying to get it back, and either they got it like by the neck and they're dragging it, or like 
it's like I said, it's just so big and they're stepping on the feet and tripping over it. You know, they're stepping on the wings and tripping and all that stuff. And like, not only, but that's just waterfowl. And then some dogs just don't like to pick up doves. Yeah. Well, not necessarily doves, but like other, just cer- birds are sometimes not- certain birds that they're not used to picking up. They yeah. just don't like Jordan's bird. Yeah. Jordan's dog did not like pheasants. Not at all. She go get them. But when she would get back, you can see she dumped it off like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what Liberty did today with that with that buffle head in her yeah. mouth. Yeah, she did. She, came, she did right. She held it till like I I told her to let it go pretty much. Yeah. But she, she was like, she thank goodness back. you told me to let go of that <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, and then Briar went to clean it, and he's like, oh, God, this is why. Going back to Honest to God Goose Dogs, though, the guys that we hunt with in Texas. Um, they had them big old like English labs that are like monstrous, huh? I've seen Boykins. Do Not it, even. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. But I mean, they can do it. Yeah, they, they, the the dogs are and they're used to wearing them. And they put these dogs in goggles because I mean, a wounded goose is a bad mother. Oh yeah. yeah, right. So, but these dogs, they don't like. They don't just trot up to that goose and try to get it. They those dogs hit that goose at full run. Oh yeah. It's it is, man. It's linebacker through the quarterback blindside yeah i remember how they don't they don't even slow down they yeah. hit that thing and they they punish that goose they and then and then they'll come back in the second pass and usually grab them by the neck yeah and you'll see them shake them you know and then they come trotting over happy like just, just love like, and yeah, life right yeah. look at what I, I did i remember the uh <laughs> the one of the guys we were with had a black lab it was built like liberty yeah but it was a male and he was like dude you should see the straight muscle mass on this dog by the end of the season. He was like, in just the neck alone, from carrying like cranes and the geese and stuff. Oh, he's yeah. like, this dog's. He's like, she's little now. By the end of the season, her neck is massive. Yeah, just. Well, I mean, a, a guy's dog's working every day. Yeah, yeah. Too. So I mean, dude. she did great though. Oh she yeah, did. she did oh, awesome, yeah. dude. I would, After I Josh took his special chainsaw and made a hole in the blind for her. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I was, I was telling Briar about it earlier. I said, you know, some of the times I'll come out here and I'll hunt and I'll just watch the dogs work just because like, it makes me, and it, the crazy thing is Liberty's first time I ever met her, you know, was, was this week and watching her come back. I literally, that <laughs> she brought the bird back and I said, Briar, you better be proud of that dog. That's a good dog right there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm proud of her. She does. She's she's great, man. She does does exactly what she's supposed to do. Yep. Yeah, very well behaved. She whines a little bit, but she was getting better today. Well, I gotta That's say, because she was getting used to not shooting birds. That yeah. uh, <laughs> there wasn't. Well, other than the gulls, like seagulls and stuff, some cormorants, there wasn't a whole lot of other birds. Yeah, and I think that's why she whines a lot at home. It's because she sees, like, coots and stuff. Yeah. The coots sitting out there drives her nuts. That's another thing, too. You don't, like, at home you can use a lot of, like, coots, like, comfort bird decoys. Yeah. You can't, I mean, what what's a comfort bird to a to a sea duck? Uh, Another sea duck? Other sea ducks, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what we're competing with out here. Yeah. You know, because these birds are just rafting up. And yeah. if other birds are going to see, there's no better decoy than a live decoy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In the morning and... Like my entire life growing up, I was told if there's birds in the decoys, let them sit. If they pick up to fly away, then you shoot them. But those live birds in those decoys, that's going to bring in more birds. Yeah. 
I don't so, know. Live birds don't usually stay live in my spread very long. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Maybe we should have more patience. But a lot of times, you know, they'll also pick up, you know, if they don't. I mean, if they're, like, just outside of the spread and just out of shotgun range, they might hang around. So we spent two days here. We uh, did not go skunked. Okay. But uh, we didn't kill a, a complete mass load of birds. But man, this has been—it's just been memories I'll never forget. I oh, mean, yeah. it is—it has been an absolute blast, and I—I'm a hundred percent ready to come back, dude. It without even without killing a bunch of birds, it is a type of hunting that has just got me sucked into it, and I—I I would love to continue to do it more. Yeah, and you guys are welcome. Anytime I'm here, y'all are welcome back. You know. And I just, it's one of those things where you could see them, but you can't shoot them because they're out of range. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Let's say it's got to be tough on guides too, man. Cause like, you know, we're all seasoned hunters. So we understand that they call it hunting. Right. Because they call it hunting, not killing for a reason. That's exactly right. And, uh, but you guide somebody and you just end up having a day where it's not the best day. Golly, man. How? Yeah. And I mean, even even when you go on, I, I went on a guide out here with a guy last year, first time. And on one of his, the sign on one of his boats, he says, I'm a guide, not God. So I'm going to think, I'm going to put a sticker on my boat that says, I'm not a guide, just a guy. Without a right? D. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, without a I'm D. not a guide. <laughs> or, or No, no, no. You know what it should say is I'm a guide without the D. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? It's a little joke, but I mean, I wanted so bad for these hunts to be like phenomenal, but you just can't force them to be somewhere. And I'm I'm my hardest hardest critic, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Even yesterday, we come all the way back. I felt bad. Jim's boat was doing great, but then when the center console thing, and I was soaking wet and cold, and I know Jim wasn't worried about his boat. I was worried about his boat, right? I yeah. was upset we didn't kill any birds, and I I even said I was like. Guys, I'm sorry. And I was fine. And that's the thing is here, you guys are have done this plenty of times. You're like, no, dude, it's okay. Like this happens, but it is frustrating, you know. I, like I said, from a layman, just look at this. I was like, how the hell does anybody kill birds out here? And I, and I guess if you're out there every single day, you could probably start to narrow down through a ton of observation that well, if the wind is coming out of this direction they're going to tend to maybe hug the shore a little bit more. But when you say hug the shore, it's it 100 yards, 400 yards from the shore. It's miles of shore, yeah. and, and they could be 100 yards of shore, 400 yards of shore. And 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 they could still it's, choose to fly the other shoreline. Right. You can have a massive spread out there, but if there's other birds, or they just... I was like, how in the hell do you do this? And I'm sure there's guys that get better at it over time after years and years. But if you think, like we did, if you think you're just going to wander up here in a Pamlico Sound and uh, throw out a decoy spread and, and kill some birds, if you do, you're not good. You're lucky. Yeah. I don't get me wrong. There's some skill involved in that, you know, but you're incredibly lucky. You got mm-hmm. it's it is it's a game that. I mean, I'd, I'd like to come up here and do it again, but it's like the idea of coming up here for two days is like, no, 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 man. You need like nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why I told Josh, I said next year, I think we need, we need to come later in the season and we need to plan like a week. 
Yeah. But see, I think we also need like a, not just strictly sea duck. You know what I mean? Where we can go, like kind of like we did here, but for a longer period. Well, yeah. If if you have a week, you have two or three days you can see you can see duck hunt, and then another two or three days where you can go and uh, hunt some dabblers or some some puddle ducks. Yeah, and that's what that's what the Noose River is good for. So the Pamlico River runs right in Pamlico Sound. The Noose does too. But the noose goes a little more far inward, and that's what I was telling. That's what I'm used to hunting, right? Is yeah. the noose and all the creeks and all of that area. So it, it is different. It's definitely, I mean, even coming over to this river, completely changes. I, we had three wind changes today. Yeah, yeah. Not counting tides, right? Because every time the tide changed, our raft changed, and that raft line was what eight foot. We we shortened it. It was like eight ten foot. Yeah. So now you're getting instead of, you know, you're getting a ten foot difference in where your spread is. Not counting the wind, pushing the birds that you have on a long line, their heads in a different direction. So, I mean, the changes are crazy. So, being that today, we did a different style of duck hunting. It's a whole different day. I want to hear your tip of the weeks that you were able to take from today. And I have one. No, I'm going no, first. No, 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 I'm going I'm first. I'm going first. Fight! Going first. I'll let you go first. Nobody. I'm second though. So my tip of the week is: before you go to get it in a permanent blind in the woods, make sure there's any critters in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little bit more serious about it and say, uh, know your friends because they'll abandon you in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had some great friends here with me. When, when, but evidently, when, they want me to get mauled by a raccoon. If, if it, but, you know, I, if, I will say, come to think of it, like, I was sitting in the blind today, and I was like, I just ran from this raccoon, <laughs> and I had literally just set a chainsaw down in the blind. <laughs> like, I could have went it. whole chainsaw massacre on this thing, <laughs> like, if it tried to attack me. But, uh, yeah, know your friends, because I guess they'll abandon you. And, you know, when shit gets thick. If it was you or my dog, I'm choosing my dog. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's next? You got one, Jimmy. You think I've actually got two. I'm going to give two tips of the week. Um, both actually relatively serious. One one is deadly serious, I guess. So we we got away with one this weekend. Um, my boat's fine. It's been in rough water. I'm pretty solid on the capabilities of it. And um, I've taken... I've taken, I've got caught before and taken big waves over the bow, and uh, and come out just fine. But you know, in truth, we had five guys in a boat, and and all the gear and everything else, and it was overweighted, and the seas were okay. You know, they weren't too bad, and uh, we got back fine. It was a little bit rough, but we got back and nobody got hurt or cold. Um, oh, we were cold. Not. <laughs> Not like you would have been if you went in. <laughs> yeah. Right. True. Um, so if I'm if I am brutally honest with myself, we had at least one too many men in that boat for those conditions. Mm-hmm. Um and even tonight coming back, it was short run, but we had too much we had way too much ass in your boat this this afternoon. <sighs> but like, no, it, it we, wasn't we that rough though. No, it wasn't that rough. Well, like I said, and it was a short distance, right? Yeah. So it was calculated and all this stuff was calculated. Um but you know the 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 truth of the matter is, if um, 
if the waves had gotten much bigger on the first day, we'd, well, we'd have had no choice but to try to run harder just to, 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 to keep the boat on, you know, from taking water on. But, you know, it's like, it just, we, and I was constantly watching. I even said that I say, man, this might be unpopular, but if it gets any larger, we're going to have to go in. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, we, we all understood like, hey, there's oh, yeah. a point that here where yeah. it, it means either we pack it up and we make it home or we pack it, don't pack it up and we swim home. <laughs> well, you know? yeah, but there's no, there's no swimming home in, in 30 degree water. So no. So that was just it. I mean, it was like, be mindful. Like, we got away with one. And, and because we knew we were stretching our limits, I was, and, and I probably didn't hide it that well. The whole time I was out there, I was constantly, that's why I kept checking the bilge. A little nervous. Like, nothing's going, well, just, I wasn't nervous, but I was being extra cautious for good reason. everybody's sake, you know? And that's why I was like, when we got in this, like, life, life jacket. I don't usually do the whole life jacket announcement thing when I go yeah. on my boat. I did that day. It was appropriate that morning. <laughs> but I thought, I was like, well, life jackets ain't going to hell. We're not going to freeze to death. But, you know, it is what it is. And we even talked about making sure everybody knew how to do the one, two, three, how to haul a guy in a boat. Um, so the serious part about it is, is um, it's all well, it's all fun and games till somebody goes in really cold water and you're an hour, realistically, from getting yeah. them warm again. That's enough to put somebody down. But moving on to something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, you know, we, we've talked about Honda, Texas and Arkansas and Arkansas even coming up here although we didn't have a professional guide we still had to get lodging and gas is you know a little bit expensive and and i i constantly run into guys that hear about all the different places we go and it's always like oh i wish i could go and let's face it it comes down to time and money um but um we're all pretty blessed not everybody has a flexibility schedule to go as many places as as, as we've been able to go with like going to Alabama, you know, the podcast has actually helped us make some connections to allow us to do things, but anybody can do these things. And I've, I've talked about this in the past that, Hey man, you know, it's just, if you wait until the event comes along, it's really expensive, but it's not that expensive. If you're just putting away a little bit every week, every month, so that you have the budget to do these things, mm-hmm. right? And usually, especially if it's a guided trip, the first thing the guides want, because they're running a business, is they want a deposit. And it's a non-refundable deposit, and it's usually a few hundred bucks. Yeah. And uh, But then it's, you know, depending if you're smart, you're booking your trip six, nine months in advance. So by the time the actual trip comes along, it's not hard to save the rest of it. Yeah. And then you'd be economical. You know, you don't go stay in the Taj Mahal and you split cars between guys if you're flying in. And uh, But all these folks that might be listening to this say, oh, I, I wish I could do that. You can. And you can do it on a limited budget. But if you got a limited budget, you just need to think about it a little more in advance. Mm-hmm. And you can go. And these, these are the things you want to do. Chances are if you're listening to this podcast, you're all dreaming about hunting antelope in Wyoming, you're going out and killing cranes in West Texas, or going to Arkansas. What, what you, you going to wait till you're 70? Because I tell you what, I, I've done a bunch of things, and thank God, because I'm, like I said, 51, and uh, yeah, your knees start going bad, and it comes quick. And I'm really glad 
I got to do all the things I'm doing, and now I'm in a hurry to get a whole bunch more done. Yeah. Before maybe I don't, I lose the opportunity. So anyway, that's that's my tip is uh, use time to your advantage. That's fair, Josh. I would say my tip is listen, and don't just listen hear what people are saying. So, for example, it has it it played a role today, but it helped us yesterday. So yesterday when we got back, we were setting up all the rigs, right? Yeah. And you guys have never done open water hunting, right? But I still listened to what you guys were thinking because we were talking about, like, what are we going to do with these decoys? Throwing out. You know? Well, what are we, we going to do with the decoys? And what are we going to do for decoys? How are we going to set this, Brad? Yeah, how are we going to set this up so we have the best chance to, to get birds in? Yeah, so don't be narrow-minded and just think you know everything, right? Be be open and and to listening to other people because we decided, and we all came together, right? First time meeting Briar, first my time meeting Jim. I've known Jordan for a while, but never, I only hunted with you one time. Yeah. And one time in Lake County. And then we all came together and was like, okay, let's do ringers here. Let's do black ducks here. Let's do some model ducks. We got to make sure Frank's in the water, right? <laughs> Frank, the lucky decoy. Yeah. And uh, we did that together as a team. And then once we decided, it was no more question. It was just get together. Let's do this. Get it done. It's dark. It's cold. We need to get ready for tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And so just listen to other people and get their opinion because if you're just if you don't give yourself a chance to learn from other people, you're not you're you're just going to be stubborn and you're not going to learn anything. So just listen to other other outdoorsmen and get tips when you can. I, well, I learned something just in the way that you set up for the sea ducks. I think that that maybe not quite the same <clears throat> line of decoys, but that same setup where because we're hunting hunting with fewer decoys in in Florida smaller water but you could still kind of do the same thing where you have that because a lot of times wood ducks well they'll cluster right they they do rafter up a little bit so you put four or five wood ducks out in the middle and then maybe take two three ringers over here and then some more coots over there and kill and essentially lay out that same kind of kill box that we'd set up that um, I think that would be a as yeah. opposed to just pulling up and chucking out deeks, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Use some do. intelligent design to it, and uh, I think you'll probably get more woodies to pop right down. In, in my well, in, in a lot of that is, I don't mean I don't use that many. When I'm wood duck hunting, I don't use that many. You know, I have what eight down there total. Eight decoys. Right, right. We don't we don't need as many, but I'm saying that you put yeah. two over here, three. Two or three over here, and then put your wood duck cluster right out in front, yeah. or put a coot cluster out in front, and, and the woodies on the left, and you know something, yeah. like, you know, and and so nowhere near as many decoys, but still the same ducks, ducks, ducks. So there's something yeah, definitely from to about. focus on. But then when they're coming in, they're like, "Well, I'm not going to land there. I'm not going to land oh, right there in the middle." Boom, boom, and boom is it. Yeah, lights out. There you go. All right. Well, I really appreciate uh, the invite, Josh. Of course. I definitely look forward to coming back. It has been an absolute blast of a weekend, even though there was a murder attempt on me this morning. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Real man would have brought that raccoon back for dinner. Yeah. we. <laughs> I didn't think about the chainsaw, okay? <laughs> All right. Audios.